Greetings and salutations, board game fans. It's 2023. The Dice Pirates have returned better than ever. I don't know if I'd say that, but we are back. And we're also now on YouTube, so that's a fun thing. Over the holiday break, I decided I would finally decide to try and put stuff up on the uh, YouTube channel, Dice Pirates. So that was pretty fun. Got to learn a little bit how that works. So yeah, go ahead and make sure to smash that like button, hit that subscribe button, all like the weird things that people say. But yeah, so we are, uh, we're back and we're actually going to break down our holidays, the games we played, what we got to try out, the new things we're excited for. I, of course, am your host, Ian, joined by Matt and Aaron. How you guys doing? Hi, hi. I am doing great. Uh, thrilled to be back hanging with you guys talking about board games. I don't, I don't know about y'all, but I played a lot of board games during my holiday break. And so I've got all kinds of thoughts and feelings. I got hot takes. Before we before we go over this year, uh, or I guess what is technically now last year, uh, I did listen to last year's recap episode, and I thought uh, it would be fun to recap that recap before we get into the recap. Is this the recap of the recap? Yes. Uh, let's see. So last year, uh, I got Guilds of London showed up at my house mysteriously. Still don't know who gave it to me, uh, and it is still sitting next to me in shrink. Well, I mean, there could be something dangerous inside it. You know, you don't know. You have no way of knowing. You know, it could be an incredibly bomb. addictive board game, and you wouldn't, uh, you wouldn't know. Matt, your uh, let's see. This is tomorrow will be the one year anniversary of our. I I think. I mean, I haven't seen the numbers because there aren't any. Uh, mm -hmm. But I think our most popular segment, which is Matt admits he's wrong. I did not. I remember that I one quite fondly. I did. What did I admit I was wrong about? I've never. I've never been wrong. In my whole life. Uh, you admitted that you were wrong about Marvel United and how much you loved it and how much you hated it before you played it and then you loved it. Uh, it's also uh, a very good timing because Simon announced today their next Marvel United Kickstarter because, uh, you know, the money dump trucks just keep backing up to their doors. Yeah. So I mean, good timing, too, because Matt actually just finished uh, painting all the minis for Marvel United and you made a post about yeah. that, Matt. Yeah, so that's yeah I did actually. It took me a solid year to paint all ten minis in the base box. Um, I did admit so you were I was like wrong about that. I forgot. Wrong. Yeah, I don't. You know, I had a visceral sense that like that game was going to be terrible, and I have played that game. It's I've still played it. It's it's held up. I played it a lot. I played it in the last good month. game. Love it. All right, Aaron. What what is my sense of what is my source of shame? Since apparently that's what's going around. Uh, last year, you said you really wanted to make an effort to play Sleeping Gods. Did that happen at all? Uh, unfortunately, I don't have that much money. So well, be ashamed. So yeah, and I am very ashamed. That, of that my was poor the problem. Hey, you're gainfully employed now, so and you made our listen. Yeah. You let our listeners down. I am gainfully. Uh, you know what? You know what I did though is uh, last year I did make a commitment to try and play every game in my library. Now, I didn't get every single game but i got almost all the way there i think i missed like maybe like four or five games total okay. and uh okay. but i mean i got some of the big ones out of the way i got twilight imperium out of the way i played that That's one right. you know you played twilight imperium above. last year <laughs> i mean twilight imperium last year i got above and below and you're far i got so many of the big ones out of the way and yeah there's a lot of small party games like some stuff stuff like that that i just couldn't get in but i'm really proud of myself i got i got some great i got a lot of variety in my games this year so i'm pretty happy about that all out all out uh in the effort uh in, in the interest of full disclosure my uh my promise to our listeners was that i would invest time in campaign games uh to date uh only received one of the two that i mentioned and i've only received part of one of the two that i mentioned which were <laughs> true Vang legends from simon which uh, i've gotten the the core box of because that's all they've finished making they're still working on the other shipping crate of stuff that i got with that uh haven't played that at all i opened it up punched the tokens looked at the rule book got a nosebleed and just put it all back uh and then the other one was the divinity original sin board game which Oof. if you have not been following that uh cluster uh it's a it's a fun after it's a fun way to spend an afternoon on board game geek let me tell you just go to Board Game Geek, Divinity Original Sin. There's one thread that's like 18 pages long. 
uh, still, you know what? I they're they're offering refunds. I'm along for the ride at this point. Curious to see what, if anything, I'll ever receive. Uh, but I I did not play any campaign games. And Matt, uh, your three that you specifically mentioned that you wanted to play, uh, one of which I know you succeeded was Ankh. We talked yeah, about that. Did it? Played it. Uh, Lords of Hella. Um, for, for, for everyone at home, I'm, I'm slowly tilting my MacBook screen back up so that the webcam shows the shelf over me. Uh, and uh, 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 there it is right there, boys. It's sitting up there. Unplayed. Lords of Hellas. Unplayed. As it will for the end of time. Your last one was Deception, Murder in Hong Kong. Uh, it still has a shrink wrap on it. Sadly. It happens. So, right, okay. So, uh, wow. So we're not good at New Year's resolutions, is what I'm hearing. Well, the problem okay, is that two of us aren't. I, I did, I did good. I did a good job. Okay, give me I'm my credit. You picked one here. game and didn't play it. I don't know what you're talking about. I I'm going like to specifically blame, and I'm shifting blame here, and I'm going to blame Max, and I'm going to blame Dennis, because Absolutely. those two guys keep getting cool new board games. So <laughs> I can't get caught up on the ones in the backlog. Because every five minutes, it's like, hey, I got cones of Dungshire in the uh, mail. We got to try that out on Sunday. Or like, you know, I got the expansion to the Gleebledy Glops or whatever. So anyway, there's so much. It is all about the the cult of the new. There's just new stuff coming in all the time. There is. And there's good new stuff. That is that is fair. Uh, I, Matt, I, I am curious, though, throwing the, you know, since we're since we're kind of going down memory's lane. Have you backed a Kickstarter yet? No, I didn't back a Kickstarter. Wow. I kept, I, you know, I kept trying to figure out what I was going to back, and I just didn't find anything that like spoke to me. There was one that I really liked, and I missed it. Like I came in too late. I found that it was some dungeon crawl thing that I was just like, yes. But I don't know. I need some suggestions. I need some help. I did not back a Kickstarter, and I said I would. But I want to back something that's a little obscure. I'm not going to back something that's already like crossing like the 20 million threshold. I want to find something that I feel like is niche and needs a little help. That's true. I mean, especially because the big ones Max or Dennis is going to have anyways. So, you know. Oh, yeah. We're going to get the all in like Kickstarter, like back a truck up to your house and drop off six boxes of that for sure. The The coins are all made of actual gold and silver. All right, well, that was a fun trip down memory lane, but I kind of want to jump into our soapboxes because there's something that actually has been on my mind uh, a little bit lately. Um, over the holidays, you know, played a lot of different games, but I also made an effort to try and play, since I haven't been able to uh, get a physical game group together quite like I wanted to here um, at my new place yet, I've been trying to play online games a little bit more, playing some board game arena, with uh, the fantastic uh, members of uh, Danny Standerink's community. Absolute shout out to them. And so I've been playing some more games on Board Game Arena. I've been playing some more uh, the Steam, like, you know, adaptations of games. And I have a really weird experience. I've realized I have a weird experience with these games. Um, two two very notable exceptions that, uh, or two very notable moments that stuck out to me recently. Um, the, the first being Agricola. Uh, I like Agricola a lot. Agricola is a really fun game. I'm not necessarily the best at it, but I feel like I'm pretty good at putting forward a strategy and figuring out what I like to do. And, you know, it's an engine builder. I'm pretty decent at engine builders. I recently started a game of Agricola on Board Game Arena, and we are four turns in out of, what, five or six turns. I'm pretty sure I've starved every single round. I definitely have not uh, been able to feed all my people. I think I have like two farmlands that I've plowed and only one that I've actually been able to plant in. I have no new people. It, it's been an absolute disaster. I have no idea what happened. I, I looked at it and my mind just fell out of my body and I, I had no idea what to do. And uh, I've, I've noticed this like similarly um, that uh, I'll play with my sister, and we'll play this, the Steam version of Wingspan, which is a fantastic adaptation, by the way. I think we've talked about this before. Absolutely super well done. It's a great adaptation. But 
I found that I'm I, I weirdly perform I, I don't do as well. I mean like you know Matt, you can attest to this. I, I'm pretty good at wingspan. I tend to win a lot of the times we play. It's just something about it clicks for me. Yeah. Uh yeah. I I do not do well when I'm playing on the Steam version. It's just something about being in uh I, I I think I've realized that for me, a lot of the way that I relate to games is based on the actual tactile feel of being there with the pieces. And the way that I sort of create my strategy and approach the game is not purely just the game itself, but how I I guess I'm interacting with the physical space. It's been an an interesting, interesting few weeks. That's really fascinating. I don't really know, like... I wonder what the disconnect is with you, like why the physical things like hold your attention more than the digital. Uh, it may just be that like there's a point where like these things weren't really designed to be video games, so they don't have like the same, I don't know, like rhythm or whatever. Even like a good adaptation like the Wingspan Steam, which I've heard a lot of good things about. Like ultimately, they were designed first to be a board game, and so like their attributes are kind of designed around the idea of you moving things around in a physical space and that's i don't know maybe that's just really tied into it and plus like wingspan is so engaging like physically like as an object the way the dice feel the way the little eggs feel that probably helps to like pull you in and like draw you into the game more yeah i know right it's it's been interesting yeah i see that um there are definitely there are definitely some games that do not work well on board game arena there are i'm trying to think of of some that i've played recently but like anything where you have a lot of small turns especially uh lately i've been playing really almost almost entirely uh asynchronous play just set up a game and people can you know take their turns when they have time anything where you have a lot of do one thing and then somebody else gets to do their thing, and then everyone else has to do theirs, then it comes back to you, and it's just constantly around Robin around the table. Uh, just, it really doesn't feel good when it's, you know, something like um, Res Arcana. Res Arcana is a great game, but it, it is a game where everyone does one little thing, and then it just keeps going around the table. And in person, it's fun, it's fast, it's fresh. It's cool. It's mm-hmm. it's now, uh, but doing it turn based, the game takes like two months, and it it's significantly less fun, and it is also borderline impossible to try and keep a strategy in mind that whole time. Yeah, yeah, that's like uh, I, I I played a Downforce in person over the the holidays. Fantastic game. I actually wrote a review of it on the Instagram, and I'd like to talk about it in the future. And so I decided to play it on Board Game Arena, and then I realized that the first uh like two days of playing waiting for everybody to get turns we're just going to be uh the auction phase where we try to buy the cars and uh that's not super engaging not a lot's happening and i realized the downside of turn-based games um in that vein so yeah so i mean it's been great i have loved the experience because it does scratch that itch but it's just been interesting at least for me personally like my interaction and my engagement i guess with the games has been very significantly different whether it's in person or online so that's just been interesting for me cool cool well i've got a quick soapbox that i i've been dying for you guys to hear hear this uh okay so did you guys you uh ian and aaron and also you guys out there listening did you guys hear the news about the hot new series coming to streaming and or a movie theater near you uh terraforming mars the board game has been licensed (laughs) for the screen what but there's not Uh, like there's not a a narrative there's not a story it's it's all right, you got you got to fill this it's out because this is uh, is the the story. To, this to, is fascinating. To space. This is truly uh, fascinating. Right. I know, I know. All right, here we go. Here's some details. Uh, this is from Deadline uh, on uh, November the 29th, and it says that uh, the production company Cobalt Knight uh, has optioned the screen rights to Terraforming Mars. It says they are open for a feature take on the strategy game. Uh, yeah, that's basically all I got. I mean, they got a little bit of information here about who Cobalt Knight is, blah, 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 blah. If you go to their website, it is 
literally this website is a temporary placeholder yeah it says the terraforming mars world offers incredible storytelling potential we're excited to explore the unique human drama that inherently comes along with running a company tasked with literally creating oceans uh i found this to be absolutely hilarious and it sort of made me think like are we peaking are we about to jump the shark as like it you know we keep talking about the golden (laughs) age of board gaming i think the terraforming mars movie could be like the jump the shark moment when like board gaming has it's too big we've gone too big now we got to go back into the dark corners where it's like a nerdy hobby that only a a small handful of people play i can't deal with like (laughs) major motion pictures being made out of board games it, it, it's so funny though, because you're right. Terraforming Mars does not have a cohesive narrative. I mean, it's corporations who are terraforming Mars, so it's got a setting, but of all the games to license, it has such a b- loose narrative. I guess it was cheaper than like uh, licensing like the Kim Stanley Robinson Red Mars series of books, which is basically the <laughs> what well, the games just, are about. I don't understand why they had to purchase the rights at all. I mean, like like you said, it's, there's not a lot of story. I mean, conceptually, I can see how you could absolutely build a story around the idea of, you know, corporations terraforming Mars and, you know, maybe the one corporation decides to keep dropping meteors, you know, like maybe that's like yeah. the source of antagonist or something. But like, the idea of terraforming Mars is not owned by the board game Terraforming Mars. You could make it. You could totally do this. Why they needed that buy title. the rights to I a game? Know. I mean, surely they didn't spend much, right? Like, I mean, if they spent exactly how they a spent. significant portion of the budget for this series on the rights, then what? What's even the point? You know? I mean, and, oh no, they don't have the number in here. I thought they did you know, have the number. It would make an amazing direct to streaming Gloomhaven. Gloomhaven. Like, that's where I was going with this. Okay, that's my follow-up. There's so much so, story in there already. I agree so with just that. just take that, cast people. If you were gonna, this was gonna be my question. If you're gonna license, what what should be what what sh- what should be licensed next? What what board games should become a movie and or TV show? And I was gonna say Gloomhaven uh, as well. I think it's a cool idea for a setting. A gritty, like steampunky, like city full of fantasy adventures. That's that's a great backdrop for a series. I also thought, uh, I also thought, uh, Spirit Island would be kind of a fun Spirit idea for a movie. Yeah, if you wanted to be lazy. I mean, didn't they just make a movie about that though? What Spirit Island? Yeah, it was like the but the people were blue, right? And uh, well. Yeah, but I want to see some conquistadors getting ate up by some water elementals. Like that's specifically here's the thing, here's the thing, what Andy, I'm going for. They've made billions of dollars. I don't know anyone who's no one is no one who is seeing the movie is talking about the movie. I, I I'm I've talking seen about not, it. I love I I've like seen that movie. Not I really enjoyed it. You should go watch it. About Avatar or Avatar, Avatar Two. Avatar Two, but apparently, was unironically, a good movie. I would I would go watch it. Everyone who's watching Avatar should read Ursula K. Le Guin's The Word for World is Forest, and you'll realize Absolutely. that James Cameron stole the entire concept from her and ruined it. Uh, that's all I'm going to say about that. Uh, Everybody should yeah, read more but... Ursula K. Le Guin. You know, honestly, though, here's what I think. Um, I think that uh, I actually I, I thought like the universe surrounding this game has always been kind of cool. Like I thought it'd be really kind of interesting as a movie. I think Dune actually would be a cool movie. They should they should do that. Get out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the Firefly board game was really good. They should do that until like <laughs> that was good. I think they should do Castles of Burgundy. Oh, uh, I think it'd be a great movie. All right, this Okay, I think I think we peaked with Gloomhaven. We've clearly jumped gonna, the shark now. Bring up uh, the piano music. All right. Off. We'll, all right, so we're going to go ahead and jump into a game that we we haven't named yet because we tried to call it Skip Intro, and I didn't like that. I still don't like it. We're still coming up with a good name, but no, I'm going to go... No, that's not the name of this. This game is called not the Ruined name of Recaps. Ruined Recaps. You're right. Oh, we did. Okay, yeah. Well, I don't even know my own show, Skip but we're keeping that in. Skip Intro is a different thing. That's true. We did do that. Yes. So uh, we're gonna do we're gonna do a quick round of ruined recaps. I'm gonna read out a uh, a game explained very badly, and you guys are gonna see if you can get it. Uh, this one will be nice, short, and sweet. Here's my first one: Forget to eat and starve constantly. Uh, it's Robinson Crusoe. 
Adventures on the Cursed Island. Not Robinson Crusoe. It's the Grick. Not the Grick. It is uh, Agricola. The Grick. Agricola. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, okay. All right. Oh, if you want you Greg. say it wrong. Oh, yeah. oh, if, if you oh, pronounce of course, the name yes. of the game the, correctly. The Grick, yes. Okay, of yeah, course. Grick. Get Grick. out of here. with you know, like. Okay, goodness gracious. Yeah, get him to the Grick. We all saw that movie. I don't... I have no idea what you're talking about. Okay, we're moving on. Intergalactic <laughs> Societies of High Culture. Intergalactic Societies of High Culture. Yes. Uh, Twilight Imperium. I mean, that's, Not that's Twilight Imperium. Games. Think smaller. Red Rising. Not Red Rising. Bigger, smaller. Is it bigger than a red box? Uh, it's smaller than a red box. No, no. (laughs) The uh, it is uh, tiny epic galaxies. Uh, Ah, high 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 culture. culture. I thought I was clever with this one. I I was pretty happy with this one. Now I liked it. That's good. That's too clever. It's a little too uh... clever. Okay, too clever. Yeah, that's true. I should I should have known my target audience. I'm sorry. I'll remember next time. (laughs) Yeah, make it. All right. Here's here's my final one. Make poorly regulated alcohol. Oh, I mean, that's a there's a lot of board games, surprisingly, that are about. Uh, Den- Dennis's homebrew operation. Yes, that one definitely. Dennis's uh, Dennis Dennis's Dennis's drinks are great. I actually will not hear slander against them. No, I was uh, didn't oh, say they were bad quality. Oh. Uh, uh, alchemists. Not alchemists. No, uh, but that was a good that. choice. It is actually uh, viticulture. Poorly. Yeah. Well, okay. Yeah. Oh, come on. Okay. I mean, you can't tell me that they're leaving, you know, like, I mean, come on. Come on. You, seriously? Are you, are, you, are you trying to say the undercurrent of viticulture is that these people aren't getting their licenses? This is unregulated hooch? I mean, is I'm that saying that on? absolutely it's not. I mean, you know, like, the process of aging doesn't actually work that way. Let me go Let me go ahead and take this uh, three-year aged grape and this other three-year aged grape, and I'm going to turn them into a six-year aged wine. You know, I mean, like, that's, that's simple math. I they're don't understand. Just, yeah, some, somebody's, somebody's sliding money under the table here. Somebody's getting paid off to not, not really pay attention to what's on the shelves. I love that this is, I love that in your world, this is a game of unregulated markets and chicanery in the wine field. And that makes me want to play it more. To be actually. fair, one of the main things you do is you do your big guy to muscle everyone out of the way. You you have a thug that you send to go ahead and get get an order done oh gosh, when you you're right. otherwise. I mean, it's how, the, have the I world. Even ever played this game? I'm seeing it I totally don't know. How did you miss? <laughs> you see all this stuff, Matt. This is. Oh, we're playing viticulture again. Incredible. We're getting into it. You are the sh- the shady world of underground uh, an underground winemaking. It's fantastic. All right, so that is our ruined recaps. We're going to go ahead and take a quick break. We'll be right back for our main discussion. All righty, and welcome back to the Dice Pirates. And we're going to go ahead and dive into our main topic this week, which is our annual, uh, what do we call this? Recap, look back. Hey, what you been playing over the Christmas break? That's what we're doing today. So we're going to talk about uh, just some cool games that we've been playing. Maybe some stuff we got during the holidays or stuff that we played with family and friends. And I am going to start out. Haha. Priority. I get to go first because I brought us back in from the segment. Uh, I gave myself a little treat. Uh, <laughs> I gave myself a little treat over the holiday break uh, and bought, picked up a couple of new games from Gamelin that I found uh, kind of marked down on the uh, giant internet retailer that shall not be named. But I did find a couple of good deals on there, and I picked up Tiny Epic Dungeons and Tiny Epic Pirates for like less than 50 bucks for the two, which I was kind of thrilled about. Uh, Both of those I have been interested in. have not played Tiny Epic Dungeons yet, but looks cool. Uh, Have opened it, have gazed at all the cool little pieces, and I'm looking forward to it. But the one I did play was Tiny Epic Pirates. Uh, This is not a full review, because I've only played it once, and admittedly got some rolls wrong. But I kind of liked it, you know, right off the gate. I just, I wanted to mention it because, I tell you, man, every time I get a Tiny Epic game, it strikes me, one, how small they really are. Like, if you haven't played one in a while, the box is so tiny. It's crazy. It's like a, it's not too much bigger than a standard... No, I think it's about the size of a standard like mass market paperback book. I mean, maybe just a inch or two bigger around the edge or about the size of a trade paperback book. 
and about that thickness. And uh, they managed to cram so much game into these things. And Tiny Epic Pirates in particular, almost too much. Uh, Tiny Epic Pirates, though, in particular, has great components. I loved the game the minute I set it up. It's got a really... Uh, Aaron and I were talking before we were recording. It, it, it's on the edge of probably needing a genuine game board versus the series of like modular cards that they give you. But when you get it all set up, I mean, you've got this beautiful, like cartoony, like Caribbean seascape on your table. You've got plastic mini ships. You've got a cool little gold coin, which is your gold tracker that you slide around on your dashboard. You've got wooden meeples. You've got wooden cannons. I mean, it's all really great. And it's a good little pick up and drop off pirate game. It's probably its biggest drawback is that it's got a probably too clever for its own good implementation of the rondel kind of mechanic for action selection and it's a bit confusing like for a game that's relatively straightforward game of just like gather goods try to sell them as fast as you can you know take down merchant ships do pirate stuff you're also having to fiddle with this like relatively strange action selection thing where you're moving deck hands from like your ship up to the wheel and then some they're stuck on the wheel until this happens to release them and then you got to move deck hands from the wheel to the repair area and the rules governing like when your deck hands can move from the various locations is a little it's it was a little bit fiddly and it was a lot to keep track of and uh we were actually making the game harder on ourselves. I didn't realize until late into the game that we were like, oh, we were making this harder. They could move a little bit more freely than I thought. But that's not a great like rule summary. But I thought it was a fun, clever little implementation of the of the pirate game, which they all kind of have this similar feel. And uh, I liked it. You've played this one, Aaron. What do you think about it? Uh, it's good. I like, like you said, the, the rondelle action selection. I, I'm a big fan of that mechanism as uh, a, a method of choosing the thing that you're going to do. Um, right. You know, the, the first time I really got hooked by it, I played, uh, was one the, the first time I played Dice Pirates' favorite, you know, if we get our sticker on the box. Yeah, uh, that's your daddy. Yeah, that's your hand. <laughs> is, uh, First time I I played a game that really wowed me with that was Crusaders. Fantastic. The best implementation of it. Uh, Which uses the the rondelle as a kind of a Moncala style, gather your stones, disperse the stones. And this is a more kind of straightforward, you're just going around the circle and you pass over certain actions, but you have to stop at this point every time. Mm -hmm. Um, the, the, the physicality of the game is phenomenal. Your little pirate ships, the cargo that goes into the pirate ships. Yeah, you load your delightful. ship up with your cargo. It's nice. Yeah. Yes. And a, a, a myth that I've not seen as delightfully represented since Bombay, uh, which if you've never played mm-hmm. it, very simple pickup and deliver game. But you have these beautifully crafted elephants that have baskets on the back. And it's the same thing. You just put them in the little baskets on the back. And it's such a simple thing. There's no reason for it to work that way. It could totally just go on your card. But that does elevate the game. I mean, there's, like like you were saying earlier about Board Game Arena, uh, Ian, there is something about the physicality of the game and about putting the little yeah. cube on the little boat and toot-tooting the little boat across the game board. Yes. It really does elevate the experience. Um, game alone. For as tiny as those dumb little boxes are, and as many extra boxes as you need for all the extra stuff that you get with them, uh, they're really good about giving you nice components that feel good to play with, that almost make you kind of forget the fact that you're playing a game that is entirely too small for <laughs> the amount of game that you're playing. Like, like yeah. I, I get that Tiny this Epic is, on the edge is of their... F- yeah, like this. This is their flagship. This is their brand. Yeah, I, I I don't know the last time they put out a game that wasn't a tiny epic game, but there, you are going to be satisfied at least sitting and playing with the stuff that they give you. It is very fun. The last thing I want to say about it is I liked those little pirate ships so much that I day two after I opened it and played it, I painted. In one day of like furious painting, I painted all of the ships, maybe a day and a half. 
uh i haven't done that in a long time where i just got really but they're enamored with it but i the sculpt on them is just really nice and i just knew that like a simple paint job of like brown to for the wood and then just color the sails to match the player color i was like it'll look awesome and I'm so pleased with how they turned out. And the best thing of all, I'm just bragging on myself, is that uh, Gamelin Gazette, the Gamelin blog, like shared my picture of my painted ships. So I, you know, I'm cool. a board game celebrity. So that's all I'm saying. Oh, also, Gamelin, if you want to uh, send me uh, any more free stuff, that would be any free stuff. Not anymore. You've never sent me any free stuff. If you want to send me some free stuff, that'd be awesome. All right. That's Tiny uh, Epic Pirates. That was my uh, one of my fun games that I've played over the holidays. Uh Who's up? I'll jump in here. So I actually got to play a game that I did not expect to be as enjoyable as it was. And uh, I got to play Wrong Party, which is a uh, an unstable game, meaning you know it's from the same group that brought you Unstable Unicorns, which, you know, Unstable Unicorns, fantastic party game. Uh, not a game that I've particularly enjoyed myself uh, for many reasons, one being it was the game that nearly destroyed our board game group. <laughs> and... Uh, but, I mean, you know, overall, a fantastic little series of games. And I got to play Wrong Party, which is a card-drafting game that is surprisingly enjoyable for, <laughs> you know, talking about small games for how small it is. It's uh, it, it's surprisingly good. So, uh, essentially, you know, you're given a hand of cards, you know, as you do in all card-drafting games. And uh, the hand of cards you have are a whole bunch of party-goers that you need to invite you with you you have to have the the best group going to the party to get points for them and at the beginning of each uh at the beginning of each game you're going to flip over a party card that's going to decide you know what party you're going to that night it may be a family friendly party it may be a political party it could be a raid party you know video games and whatnot it can be a costume party and each party also has things that are going to be happening there may be children there there could be music there there could be games there so each party has a, a theme and stuff that's going to be associated with it and every one of the cards that you have the the cards are all going to have either a type of a, a type of theme that they really enjoy you may have somebody who really likes uh, costume parties and uh then they may you know they may like having children there they may like having drinks there they may really dislike late nights things like that so everyone has their likes their dislikes and what parties they like to go to but as you're drafting when you draft your cards you take them and you put them face down in front of you and you don't get to look at them again and then you're going to do that process until you have five cards in front of you and at first, that didn't sound like, okay, yeah, I don't get to look at them again. What does that matter? But you do get points based on if you have a whole different bunch of, if you have a bunch of people that like different party types, if you like get a, if you like all of your people are the same type, you get lots of points. Or if you get all of them a different type, you get bonus points. There's lots of bonuses you can get there. A lot of people will go to different, uh, may be between two or three different themes. So you may be into political parties or costume parties and when you flip that card over as you reveal them at the end of the end of the game you get to choose which party they like so and, and that becomes important because you have to flip them over one by one so as you go through and as you're laying these cards down you're choosing them and you're deciding what to keep you have to start thinking okay well what what was my first card i have to remember what what did I put down from the very beginning? What was my second card? Did I Do I have enough? And then as you begin to flip them over, a lot of the abilities may actually change uh, everybody else's cards around. Some, some, of the, uh, some of the cards may change the entire theme of the party that everyone's going to. And you have to think on the fly and decide what the best thing, best thing is for your points. It's surprisingly robust for such a simple idea. And I actually really enjoyed myself. We played two or three games right in a row uh, after we played the first time because I really enjoyed the the like the drafting process because there was so much like thought put into the drafting process. You, I mean, you don't have to. It's fun to just pick what you want, but if you really get into it, you can actually really have a lot of fun with this game. That sounds a lot more uh, thoughtful and like interesting a game than I don't know, Unstable Unicorns or exploding kittens or anything else in that like genre so th this this definitely sounds a lot cooler yeah it was like it was uh, a lot more than i expected this this would really fall into like the category of, of games that i think uh 
like for us playing afterwards maybe it'd be like a quick wind down you know after we play like a Mm -hmm. really intensive game like it's deep enough and there's enough thought to it that we can have some fun with it it's not truly just a kids game or just a party game but it's also not so intensive that you're going to be you know spending tons of time on it i think it's a perfect like easy game to pick up and learn but enough depth that it keeps you interested i've not played this i have played unstable unicorns uh it's a very fun game you just have to be in the right everyone has to be in the right headspace for it i recently played for the first time with not at all the group of people who i thought i would ever play this game with i have a a group of people that i play games with and they are real grognar types they they love a game (laughs) with a lot of complicated mechanics and edge cases thoughtfully explained in the rule book and they got so jized to play exploding kittens and it turns out if you play exploding kittens with the right group of people who take the game who are playing the game to have fun but take it the most seriously it is it's 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 an absolute barn raiser. I have not seen such shouting and hollering as took place in that game. Like, yep. Oh, I mean, this is why Unstable Unicorns nearly destroyed our gaming group. I mean, you t- these games are not designed to be. Uh, these games are not designed to be played this way, and it can it can I, truly lead to some of the most intense fights that you will ever see in a game group. It it shocked me. So I guess I guess. Uh, what I'm saying is that we as nerds uh, maybe unfairly judged Exploding Kittens and its ilk, and that maybe they're actually good games, in fact. We just, we're just not approaching them at the level that they need to be approached at. That's a fascinating mm. take. I don't agree with it at all. <laughs> I'll, I'll let it, I'm, I'm going to let it stand this time. No, I agree. I mean, they're, you know, they're silly. They're just silly. You've got to be in a laid back space of like willing to laugh at the absurdities, but wrong party is the game we were talking about. And I think that sounds pretty delightful and it does have that charming uh, cartoony art. It looks good. That's a good one. Yeah. We'll have to give it a try sometime. I played uh, for the first time since our last record, two card games uh, that I loved dearly. And one of which is possibly already one of my favorite games i've ever played first was fantasy realms which is the board game that red rising was kind of built on it's that same mechanism where you have a, a starting hand of cards and it's all about comboing all of your cards off of all of your other cards but it doesn't have all of the move tokens around on the board stuff that red rising has this is just the bare bones you have seven cards you either draw a card from the deck or from the public discard as soon as the public discard has 10 cards the game is immediately over and you score the cards in your hand uh it is it's so much better than red rising i really like red (laughs) rising but it turns out i just liked that mechanism of doing the best you can with what you have and trying to not give away the things that you're looking for and the things that you have and make other people give them up so that you can take them. Uh, and I, I think fantasy realms, cause and I talked about it. Uh, I don't know if it was on our last episode, but it's, it's a game that I got the deluxe edition that was like 25 bucks that came in yeah. a nice box with the art sleeves and the expansions and the promos and all of that just, in the box the most affordable was, deluxe edition ever yeah no it was uh phenomenal but the other game you even want to talk about that kind of kind of passed by me but this was this was the heat in certain board game circles for a while there and that is scout scout is a uh japanese designed game it's a ladder climbing game so you, you deal out all the cards in the deck. And when you pick up your hand of cards, you cannot rearrange them. They are whatever order they're in, whatever orientation they're in, 
is how they are in your hand. And they're all numbered 1 through 10 with a different number on the top than they are on the bottom. And at the very beginning of the round, you may flip over all of your cards in your hand. And uh, high numbers beat lower numbers. More cards beats fewer cards. And sets of the same number beat runs of sequential numbers. So a pair of ones beats a nine and a ten beats a four. Oh, interesting. Itself. And you don't get to rearrange them, so you may have to th four yes. fives, but they're not all connected. Yes. Fascinating. So it is about, it's about figuring out how to take the cards in your hand, play the ones that are in between all of your good cards. Oh, interesting. Without, without playing... Like, if I have three tens in a row, I want to make sure I have something else that I can play before that. I don't want to play those three tens until I absolutely have to, because as soon as I play them, now all I have left is a bunch of junk. So on your turn, you either scout, which is you pick up one of the cards that is on the table and add it to your hand. And when you do that, you can turn it whatever orientation you want, and you can put it in your hand anywhere you want. So while that seems like a bad action to take because you're you're adding cards to your hand which is decreasing your score making it hard for you to win and you're giving somebody else a point it's super powerful because now you can set up a much better combo with what you have you can show cards which is if you've got a set of cards in your hand that beats what's on the table you play those set of cards and whatever's currently on the table you take those cards and you add them to your score pile. So every card you capture that way is another point for you at the end of the round. And finally, you can scout and show. You can do that once per round where you take one of the cards from the table in front of you, add it to your hand, and then also show from your hand. Uh, so it's mechanically a really simple and straightforward game. You know, you've got Three ones beats nine ten beats seven. Super simple stuff. Like there's there's nothing complicated to the game whatsoever. But like I, I miss the hype. It's real. It's good. It's such a good game. It is so much fun. I love it so much. I feel like I need to get this because I feel like my like family would probably yeah. really like this. Like like I'm a step up from this. Uno. This great. It it goes up to five players, which is nice. It's just like this is. This I slept is another, on this too. Uh, I've been seeing this and like the big top like tent look of the cover. Just I was like, this looks really boring. And then I've seen the cards like in Instagram pictures, and I was just like, oh, numbers, a uh, uh, number. I was like, where's my, where's the zombies? Where's the orcs? You know, like sometimes I feel like I get so drawn into like thematic games that I miss the boat. Sometimes I'm really clever just like game games like this, like just an abstract concept. That's like fun to explore the rules and yeah, this looks good. It's, it's alarming how good that game is. That sounds amazing. Honestly, I, I already sounded just very compelled by that. That's such a neat idea. And uh, I'd love to get that a shot. We'll have to play that sometime. All right. Well, before we call it a day, I wanted to give you guys uh, what's the opposite of a hot take. A cold, I'm going to give you a cold take the coldest take i've ever dropped on this show uh you know that game star wars rebellion that uh fantasy flight came out with a few few years ago big uh big box of star yep, wars yep. goodness i remember this currently yep. sitting at number uh eight on the bgg's all-time great well, games yeah. list sounds like a pretty good game can in fact confirm very good game Matt's stamp of approval right here. Matt says yeah. good game, guys. Matt approved. Uh, Matt approves yeah. it. Look, that game's been on my bucket list for a while. And, you know, it's just one of those, like, expensive games, big box full of plastic that, you know, I had gone all in on Twilight Imperium a few years ago. And I was like, I just don't have any room on my shelf or in my life for another hundred-plus-dollar box full of toys. But it uh, went down to a relatively affordable price and Dennis, our buddy scooped it up. So it's in the group's collective collection. Now uh, I've been dying to play it for weeks and he's been meticulously painting every miniature in this game full of what feels like hundreds, but it's probably just dozens of very teensy little X wings and tie fighters and 
it's uh, honestly uh, kudos to him. He did a remarkable job of painting these. I can't believe he actually did it. They look great, but they're so tiny. It's unbelievable. But anyway, after weeks and weeks of painting it, he fi- it was finally, it was ready. And in time for us to sit down and play it uh, over the holiday break for everyone. And so we got a couple of games in and man, uh, it is by far the best rendition of star Wars. That's, been done like full stop it is the best star wars game but uh it's also just one of the most clever like asymmetrical like war games ever because the two sides are playing like a totally different experience and it somehow just completely works this just in uh highly rated board games actually pretty good Actually pretty good. Yeah, I mean, I just, I knew it would be good, but it was one of those things where I did it. I mean, I don't know. You know, like, is it going to really live up to the hype? But there was just something about this. This was so good. I mean, the clever, the cleverness of it is, of course, you know, you have the Imperials and you have the Rebels doing uh, these two asymmetrical things. The Rebels have a hidden uh, base somewhere in the galaxy at the start of the game. And all they have to do is survive. They just have to cleverly uh, eke out uh, a, a battle of attrition against the Empire long enough, and they will win. Uh, the Empire has to, before time runs out, find the Rebel base. And so they're playing a more traditional uh, uh, 4X-type experience, just expanding out across the galaxy, trying desperately to narrow down. But there's so many possible planets that it just it, it, it feels impossible to find it. And just when you think you have it, the Rebels can move it with a desperate last minute attempt. And the whole thing is just a constant, you know, push and pull. It's just so clever. It, uh, it streamlines so many things about big forex experiences like that, like the way it handles production and ships. It completely autopilots that in a way that some people might not like, but I love, I wasn't having to worry about tech trees or all these complex decisions about building stuff and unlocking stuff. You just, you have a planet, this planet has production capacity. When it's time to produce, you just put little ships in a queue and like a little assembly line, they just move down. And when they reach the bottom, they just disperse out onto the board. And so it's all very streamlined and simple. And so you're keeping your attention on actually making cool tactical choices. But the best thing about it is how it remixes the Star Wars story in these wild, dramatic ways. Like in the first game we played, there was this incredible sequence of events where... Uh, uh, Mon Matha goes to a planet. We sent her out on a, she goes out on a mission to uh, uh, cause an uprising on an Imperial held planet, which uh, turns it to the rebels. And then Darth Vader comes on an, a subsequent turn, does a mission that captures Mon Matha and puts her in carbonite. And then I send, uh, then we send Obi-Wan in to rescue Mon Matha on a desperate mission, but he's killed uh, by Darth Vader and his death, uh, actually causes the rebels' uh, reputation to increase. So I mean, just a wild sequence of events that was like kind of like the movies, but not really. I mean, it's like a bizarro alternate version of the Star Wars story playing out on your tabletop. It's it's pretty dope. I mean, if you like Star Wars, no excuse. You really need to try to get it if you uh, just want a really cool asymmetrical head-to-head war game. Um, it's two players. Essentially, you can play it up to four, but in uh, the in those higher player counts, people uh, divide up the two sides. So you can have two people collaborating or two against one or something. We played it that way the first time we played it, and I didn't hate it, but I, th- I could already tell that like I don't think everyone's going to like the quasi like three and four player modes. It's really geared around a head-to-head. So Star Wars Rebellion, can confirm, lives up to the hype. I haven't even played it, but that's one of those games that I I've already I'm already enjoying it simply because this game has one of those really cool uh, things about it that it tells a really engaging story. There are games that are compelling in moment to moment gameplay, games that you enjoy as you play them, and then there are games that do a really good job of telling a, a cap like a really captivating story as you go through them. Games that may not be like may not be the most riveting in the moment to moment gameplay, but as you go over the story. It, it's so cool, especially these games that have like this alternate history type thing. I mean, that's 
you know, essentially you're rewriting mm-hmm. the story of the the movies. And that's so cool because I've loved reading, like Dennis has been playing this with his daughter a bit. And uh, you guys have been reading it. And the stories that you guys have been telling about your games and uh, the moments that have happened have been really cool. It is so evocative and so thematic that you're able to build these stories of gameplay and not just have these moments of, like in Twilight Imperium, like you do have moments, but they feel slightly less thematic than I think you've already gotten in just a few gameplays of this, where you, it's just absolutely incredible moments because it has that theme to draw on. And I'm, I'm sold. I can't wait for you guys to play more because I love reading about it. Uh, I'm sure we will. The only downside is a bit long, so it's sort of an event game. It's not quite Twilight Imperium level long, but you know you need about four hours, so it's uh, not one you can just drop to the table at the drop of the app. Okay, so as always, we really appreciate uh, everybody who's listening, and uh, it is really, and we're really excited to go for another year of this. We have actually some really exciting ideas coming forward, some maybe more interesting stuff than we've been doing lately, because I really kind of want to get back to a lot of the stuff we used to be doing, you know, like our Fantasy Flight episode, some of the more deep dives, and I, I think we have some neat stuff coming up, so definitely keep an eye out for that. Um, and uh, also shout out to the 157 of you who decided the Halloween episode was going to be our breakout episode on YouTube. I don't know how that happened, but like, I'm here for it. And thank you. Yeah, I, I have no idea why. Absolutely bizarre. But no, it, it's cool. You definitely can check it out um, on YouTube. Uh, it is there, probably easier to share. And uh, we'll, we'll definitely be posting it there now that I figured out how to do that. Uh, but Matt, if you want to get in touch with us where we normally are, where can people do that? Well, you can find us on Instagram. We are at Dice Pirates on the gram, and we're there all week long, posting updates about what we're playing, mini reviews, uh, cool videos and reels about games. So, yeah, come check us out. Follow us there. Send us a message. We'd love to hear from you. We, of course, will be back soon and uh, with more episodes, so keep your eyes peeled for that. But until then, we will be right here on the Dice Pirates. Dice Pirates.